first thing dia like weh Cina kau makan ke tempoyak <laughs> like yeah makan apa <laughs> then like the other day so I bought curly at Tesco uh. the the Indian guy was weighing the things for people uh. said hey you Cina ke Cina makan curly meh <laughs> makan lah why, why cannot you know like Yeah, and then when I go eat banana leaf rice, those Anne will be very surprised. This Chinese guy using hand. Like, <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, it's nothing wrong, you know. And that's, why? That's the beauty of the Malaysian experience that you get to try all these different cultures. Yeah. And it's your boy Roshan Gomez. You are listening to another episode of the Rumah Roy podcast. Special guest in the house, an old, old friend, Mr. Aaron Poa. Hello, hello. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, really good to see you, man. Yeah, likewise. It's, it's been a long, long, long time. So, um, I'm going to tell you my earliest memory of you, which I've already told you, mm-hmm. but for the sake of everyone here. And maybe you can tell me what's your earliest memory of me, because I really have no idea. Um... I remember you in because we met at primary school, but I only went to, uh, we went to SK BSD. What's the number? BSD one. Primary is BSD one. BSD one. Yeah. Okay, because there are a number of BSD schools, right? So we went to SK BSD one. I went when I was in standard six because before that I was actually in BRP. Yeah. So, but you were there, and I met you, and I remember you being like really, uh, really famous because you were you were uh you had done like ads for Astro. Yeah. And so like, and I was like, oh, that's the guy who did the ad for Astro. You know, he got like a PlayStation. They gave him a PlayStation because he did the ad. So you were legit like a child star. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Do you remember? How, what I want to ask you, uh, Aaron, is since then, how have you uh, uh, managed to deal with the fame of being a child star for Astro? <laughs> uh, I mean, at that age, I didn't really think about being a child star, but more of like I get to skip school, you know, to be in class. I mean, it was fun, you know, like, and then the, the perks of it is coming to school, then everybody knows me, you know, like. Yeah. Oh, do you do a lot of ads? I actually do a lot when I was much younger. Damn. But, yeah, during primary school days. Yeah. How did you get into it? Um, Very good question. Uh, let me recall. It's actually my brother uh-huh. in in, in uh, Maluri school. Uh, I think it's his friend's parents or whatever who's dealing with some talent agency and stuff and then they're like oh you know you can just come in you know do some short recording just to like open like a portfolio or kind of thing right. and if there's a suitable job then they'll call you for casting and kind of thing yeah. uh, kind of started from my brother first right. uh, but he didn't get as many jobs as I did <laughs> la, but yeah so he started from there and then from the earliest memory uh, of advertisement I did the first one if I'm mistaken is UNICEF Mm. Uh, after UNICEF it was uh, McDonald's actually right and, 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 dude and, McDonald's ad man yeah. big time and funny thing is that that first advertisement that, I mean McDonald's advertisement was the first time that they launched fried chicken oh shit so that was like way back and then but it's it's quite funny like, when people talk about the advertisement like hey you appear on KFC advertisement you know like <laughs> but it's McDonald's <laughs> you're like the brand ambassador yeah. you need to protect <laughs> Yeah, uh, but you. I also remember you being very, very nice. In fact, I. It's hard sometimes for me to reconcile who you were and who you are now, mm-hmm. because I think of all my friends, you have actually changed the most. Mm. I don't know whether you agree, lah. But you actually, 
when you're in primary school, you're very bubbly, cheerful. You you were a, a bit like me, like we bit we are a bit more rounder, right? Yeah, on, yeah. on the heavy side <laughs> a little bit. So you look like a little Buddha. Yeah, I look like the opposite of whatever little Buddha is—a brown Buddha. <laughs> I was the brown Buddha. <laughs> <laughs> but you were so cheerful, so happy, so nice, and you were very friendly towards me. That's why I was. I remember you from primary school mm. itself, and now you are like more like you 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 exude a sort of really professional MasterChef kind of vibe. <laughs> You've changed a lot, man. It's really interesting to see. Do you, have you noticed that or? Uh, I choose to think I'm still the same. I'm still that <laughs> playful and very bubbly, outgoing and happy go lucky. Right, right, right. Um, but yeah, I I think. I have to agree. There's a significant change. And I mean, like, you're an adult now. Yeah. Like, you know, you're an adult now with responsibilities. Yeah. You've grown up. La. Yeah. So maybe there's more layers to you now. La, yeah. Right. That's really interesting though. Okay. What's your, do you remember me at all? Uh, I don't remember how we met, but I need to remember you as Christian's brother. Oh man. <laughs> that is so sad. <laughs> that is so sad, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but I like the honesty. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Uh, and uh, then we went to high school together as yeah. well. And even in high school or so, I still remember you being the same. Like, you know, very friendly, very nice dude. Uh, a bit of a rebel. A bit of a rebel. You did, Again, mm. um, you like, like we were talking before this, I was prefect. I became head prefect. Yeah. Uh, but you, even though we invited you to become prefects, you came into the interview and said, uh, no, I'm not interested in yeah, this. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. never had that desire, right? Um, I actually... Did try to be a prefect in primary school. Okay. Um, but then like I'm quite notorious also in some ways. I don't I don't like to do my homework, you know. Mm. And then like I have my own little bad habits here and there. And then like I still remember the teachers like you cannot be prefect like that, you know. <laughs> then from then on, I was like, okay, this is never in the list. <laughs> <laughs> I also didn't do my homework, bro. But I think <laughs> I went a different route of not doing my homework. <laughs> yeah. I used prefects as a way not to do my homework. <laughs> uh, and I ne- I had no idea. Uh, that you were so into uh, cooking and uh, because okay for anyone's listening Aiden is like a big deal right you are a big deal you uh, kind of um, rose through the ranks of barristers uh, mm-hmm. barista sorry in Malaysia mm-hmm. you won the 2019 barista championship. world championship yeah. and that was a legit tournament and you did like everybody was hounding you to like meet you as in like media outlets right to do interviews with you yeah then from there you open up a cafe uh 30 seconds right mm-hmm. 30 seconds and then you even opened up after that a noodle shop yep. called uh 50 tales yes and even that is so you know people have come to interview you talk about you know the, the food that you're doing i mean guys again i cannot stress this guy is legit uh BFM has interviewed you. Mm-hmm. Uh, news outlets like NST has interviewed. Yeah. Asia Tatler did yeah. a review about you, right? I did yeah. my homework, bro. <laughs> I did my homework. <laughs> I, I've been wanting to talk to you for a long time, but I was like, I don't want Aiden to think that I'm misusing our friendship. I want to like at least mm. do like a few episodes, show I'm legit before I reach out to you. Mm. And and some of you are so close by, can Yeah. So anyway, uh, I had no idea though in high school that you were disinterested in, in coffee or even food. Mm-hmm. Did it start from there? Um, okay, uh, put it this way. I don't like to do homework like I mentioned earlier. Yeah. And I would say, I don't know how to word it in English, but I just love to eat. La, you know? <laughs> Chinese, they quite quite tam la. You know, right. you want to eat. And then, so when my mom cooks, you know, I'll be like, screw homework, <laughs> help in the kitchen. And right. I'm thankfully, my family had, doesn't have this like, or guy shouldn't belong in the kitchen, that kind of thing. Or like, uh, guys shouldn't be doing some house chores and stuff mm. um, I'm very thankful that my parents are okay with me doing all these kind of things right uh, even my grandma 
Right. I mean, she's Chinese, very Chinese or so, but she's cool with having like the grandson being in the kitchen and stuff. Um, so it kind of started from there. Uh, I would say from one onwards where my mom is a bit more confident, I'll make my own Maggie fried egg. Then somewhere from three, that's where I start, started, you know, cooking for everybody, you know, sometimes dinner. Um, what were the early dishes you started out with? Early dishes, huh? Oh. I remember very clearly fried fish and uh, fried vegetables. <laughs> right, yeah. right, right. And my mom is like, these are basic. You <laughs> right. should get it right, you know. <laughs> you um, can't you can't really go wrong with fried yeah, <laughs> stuff. <la. laughs> exactly. So yeah, it was kind of like from there. But I I did had a thought if I were to go into science stream, I would probably do food science. Mm. Um it would still be revolved around food. Um, but I say if I happen to be in art streams or my result don't don't turn out too well, then I'll probably go into culinary arts. Yeah, so this is where, from what I understand, from what I've mm. uh, read about you, heard about you, this is where your journey is a bit different from other people. Mm. A lot of people, they are forced to do science stream. Yeah. And they end up regretting it. Yeah. Uh, I a little bit feel like I shouldn't have done science stream. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of in that that camp a little bit. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I don't re- regret that, you know, whatever. Yeah. But like you were, you were the opposite. Your parents forced mm. you to do art stream. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's funny because like um, what what my parents explained to me recently is because based on me and my brother's behavior, my brother is a bit more gentle. He's a very nice guy. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. he's he's book smart, you know. So, I mean, yeah, there's you're, this, you're, there's I, this. I, I I know your brother. Yeah, your brother is a, a real gentleman, lah. Yeah. Even from high school, because a lot of his friends, no shade, lah. We all teenagers at the time, but a lot of his friends were dicks, lah. I mean, yeah, I agree. <laughs> Whoever is hearing this, I'm sorry, but yes, you guys saw. <laughs> there was a lot of dickish behavior going on in his group, but yeah. your brother was always chill. He was always nice. Yeah. Uh, and he was always grounded and he never really was one of that, even though he was close with them, but he yeah. never, never had dickish behavior, honestly. Yeah. Your brother, your brother and I feel like, Han, uh, what's his name? Hanan. Uh? Yeah, Hanan uh, and Reda and then... Ah, uh, okay. Uh, now, now yeah, we have to be careful. Yeah, now we are, yeah, yeah. <laughs> slowly, we are, slowly we are moving into Dikish Bidi. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember very clearly. I'm not saying anything bad about Reda. Reda is a very yeah. nice guy. But I'm saying like, of all, I think, uh, your brother and Hanan and the, of that age bracket, they were always very grounded and very nice and yeah. they were never too full of themselves. Yep. The rest though, I think they got a little bit caught up with the I'm the cool kid mm. vibe. La. And even me as so, I so I think took myself way too seriously, but in a different way. Mm. Mine was like I was a prefect, head prefect. I have to save the school, you know, make it a better place, you know, like also <laughs> stupid la, But in a in a different way la, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. So just shout out to your brother la, very yeah. nice dude, and he also a little bit of a rebel, a drum drum yeah. player, drum teacher. Very yeah. cool dude. He's he's pretty cool, and like I say like he's he's a very nice, gentle, and he's he's really book smart. Mm. And so my parents wanted him to like really. Uh, kind of like make sure he goes into science stream because he kind of like opened a lot of doors like after high school and for my case my parents kind of knew that I'm not very good in education yeah. but they didn't really go into fine details like, you know? so <laughs> then they're like yeah maybe you should stay in art stream it's a lot easier it's less complicated and all but end up in art stream the only subject I excel is English, science and maths and then like clearly you should be in science stream right yeah. right, right, right but um, yeah and since I was in art stream and then like sure you know why not Mm. Uh, culinary arts but again culinary arts also my dad also say no <laughs> he's like no culinary arts is too focused on kitchen and it's kind of like you only learn what's in kitchen right so 
he kind of like gave me an option. It's like the closest thing is hotel management. Uh. And uh, to be fair, mm. I understand the logic. La. Like he, want, he wants you not to be only a chef. He wants you to be a business owner. Yeah. So he wanted to give you the to- total exposure. La. Yeah. And I think that's fair. Did, did you have a good experience? Yeah, I, I agree. Because if I didn't do hospitality management, I don't think I'll be where am I today. You're right. Um, because during hospitality management, I really am really clueless about what hotel management is. I didn't know people make beds. Yeah. And I don't make my own bed. <laughs> Let's be honest here. And like, why would I make people's bed? You know, that kind of thing. And once I was there, then I only realized that, oh, bartending was like kind of like part of hospitality. Sure. And yeah, I love to drink <laughs> at a very young age. So... <laughs> <laughs> do you still drink? Uh, I still do. Bro, we need to go out one night, man. Yeah, definitely. We'll do it. Like, we'll call your brother. And we yep. call all the dicks from uh, BSD yeah. too. So all the seniors, <laughs> we'll call them. Then we have a session where we all call each other out for yeah. dickish behavior. <laughs> right, right. So you th- from there, you went into bartending. And then how did that go to coffee? So I actually still enjoy bartending. Right. Um, but what changed my mind from bartending to coffee was um, working, working life. So mm. while I was studying, um, I was already doing part-time. Yep. So I did a few part-times with a sold-out group. Uh, mm. Thankfully, they employed me. Mm. Although I was 18, ngam, ngam, legal age before they changed to 21. Right. So yeah, they, they still take me in as a part-time. Uh, How is it then? Um, it's the total opposite. So I wake up at like 1, 1 p.m., 2 p.m. Mm. And then start work at like 3, 4 p.m. And then I go home at 3 a.m. Mm. Um, and it's very difficult you only have one of day right. and, and everybody is like having fun at night dinner and then there's me working right, um, right. not to say the job is is, is not good I, I still enjoy it but um, probably also because of friends influence they are not doing the same career Yeah. and then like you want to hang out and then yeah you, you want to make sure that you stay with friends so were you doing fully bartending? I was uh, Do was, you have any... Okay, because there is this sort of um, stereotype hmm. that bartenders are the people that you talk to and, you know, dwell your you know your, your deeper secrets. And of course, Malaysia, not really that case. Lah, but I'm sure bartenders see some crazy stuff, man. Yes, I, I agree. I've seen a lot of... What's, okay, crazy story. Come on, man. So wait, but then this one I have to quote my dad. My dad uh, always say this. Okay. Whatever people do at night uh. is never as good as what they do in the day. <laughs> okay. Which is kind of true, you know? Like um, Explain, explain that, explain that. For example, uh, this yeah. this customer back where I work, uh, and that's the first time I, I I knew like sugar daddy or kind of a thing, you know. <laughs> this guy comes in say four to five times a week, right? And each time is with a different girl. Mm. And let's put it this way: his his one dinner bill will come out to like a thousand. Damn. Yeah. And yeah. Wow. I mean, like. I, I sometimes wonder what, what does he do la, but, right, right, but again right. also like why is it always different lady and you know was he a good looking dude oh he is he oh, is fair la. Yeah. okay la, that means he's double triple threat la. he yeah. got the money he got the looks, looks yeah. everything la. damn yeah lucky asshole yep <laughs> <laughs> what are, are any other crazy things you've seen bartending um call la, catfishing and then like catfishing meaning uh how what's so like Girls normally they also got motive lah, you know. Right. So I, I always say you cannot always blame the guy at the at the bar, you know, trying to look for girls. Sometimes girls also look for guys, and you can. You but can but I I I feel like in Malaysia this culture is not really you know like you don't really pick up people at bar though. 
Because mm. my experience is I've had friends who have tried that mm. and the girls were sh- like, are you crazy? Like kind of like, you know, they are very more conservative, right? Yeah, it's, it's true. But there are some also, like I mentioned, like this, this, I remember very vividly uh, these two girls at the bar. They were actually at the bar counter first. Uh. So then after a while, a guy came very well dressed. Uh, you know, he's working in office and it's probably a stable job and, and stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, they kind of like turn, turn him down first. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then another guy came. Uh-huh. She's a bit more casual, a little bit older. Uh-huh. They also declined. So then the first guy came back. Uh-huh. And then suddenly follow. Huh? Why? Exactly. So this I'm like, I mean, if no, no, la, why? You know, like you... So oh. it's kind of like fishing also, lah. Like, right. Yeah. Oh, you you're saying that they are playing a game, lah. Yeah. First they must see who all are the potential. Yeah. Then they scout the potential. Then after they finish looking through all, then they pick, pick one, yeah. ah, I see. Yeah. Damn. Okay. 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 So um, you were bartending, having all these experiences, mm. learning how the 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 tools of the trade. But then at the same time you felt you were missing out on a certain yeah. part. La. You're not you wouldn't you couldn't like spend time with your family, you couldn't spend time with your friends. Yep. You're basically you live at night la, yeah. right? And died during the day. Yeah. So then how did you get into coffee? Thankfully, I have a senior. Because oh. I've already been competing for college, so for some uh, cocktail competitions. So we kind of like share the same space for training for competition. So I have one senior who is doing coffee. Oh. Uh, at the time, very into specialty coffee. So he kind of like got me into it because I was preparing for a mocktail competition, but it's coffee based. Mm. So then I wanted to be equipped with some coffee knowledge and stuff. So, and he was my senior and he was very well equipped. So of course, look for him and um, yeah, he kind of like let me taste an espresso that tasted like blueberries. I remember very vividly blueberries, but there was what? No, there were no blueberries. No, he the, told you. He told you he would make you an espresso yep. that tasted like blueberries. blueberries. Okay. And it really tasted like blueberries. Are you serious? Yes. And there were no blueberries added into it. Like legit. Can you can you coffee. do it? Can you do it? Yeah. So basically, why there are fruit flavors in coffee is it's like wine. We talk a lot about terroir. So where is it grown? Where what's the varietal? Um, you can actually derive now in total about 120 different tasting notes from coffee. Damn. Yeah. Wine can only derive, I think, about 34 to 36 different tastes. What? Yeah. That's mad. Yeah. But when I taste coffee, I just taste bitter, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Is it just because it's like Starbucks coffee or? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, how to get these kind of uh, fruit flavors or like mm. the flavor clarity in coffee is by having it lighter rose. Mm. So when you have lighter rose, you have uh, more acid in your coffee. Mm. And then you can taste actually other different flavor notes from the coffee itself. Right. Mm. So the, the the beans you use is really, really important. Uh? Yep, correct. Wow. So where's it from? How's it being processed? The varietal? And then also the way you roast the coffee and how you extract it after that also does play a role. Wow. Mm. So you tasted this blueberry coffee and then you were like, I need to I yeah. need to learn how to do this. Yes, exactly. And I'm like, what is this? And so Ngam, the time was like somewhere um, 2013. So that's where the cafe hype started booming. Right. So there was a lot of opportunity at the time. So consideringly, Malaysian coffee trend or what has gone through, like I think in total, three different waves. Mm. Um, so I happened <coughs> to be on the bandwagon of the third wave. 
like um, 2013. Mm. So that's where mm. the, the independent cafe hype came in. Mm. Like, yeah. Like I feel brunch. like one of the big independent cafes that really sort of led the way is like Merchants Lane. Now. I mm. feel like that was one of the big ones. Uh. Mm. Um, because that whole area, somewhat, like I was listening to a podcast with the, one of the founders, Kenneth. Mm. Kenneth, yeah. Oh. I know him. Yeah, so mm. he did a podcast uh, with one of our... We have a, like a friend a friend podcast. We got a lot of friend podcasts. One of our friend mm. podcasts did a podcast with him like, episode. Mm. So I was listening to him and he was saying how like... Uh, a little bit similar to your your story, <clears throat> he started out as a in a in a cafe working part time. Yeah. In fact, his dad actually didn't even let him allow him to uh to work, uh, but because he the dad wanted him to focus on his studies, but mm. then he worked in secret. Mm. So his dad always think he's going out and clubbing, lepaking, going to the mama. He's actually working, you know, because yeah. he just want to grind, learn about how to run a, a restaurant, a cafe, save mm. the money, and open up a business. Yeah. And so he was saying how they scouted locations and then they they saw that place free, but it was in like that area near near Chowkit there, right? Uh, Petaling Street. Ah, Petaling Street. And mm. at that time, there was, dude, where got cafes there? Yeah. It was like, not at all, you know. Yeah, the nearest was VCR and that's like opposite Times Square and that's about it. Yeah. And after they started out, then after that, you got like, not only cafes, you got freaking speakeasies. Yeah. The attic is there. Yeah. Uh, what is uh, the PS? Uh, what? PS150. PS150. So many uh, yeah. speakeasies around there, which is yep. crazy. In fact, the speakeasies are, are very useful if you want. To, I mean, because of the MCO. So a lot of people started going to, literally started going to speakeasies because police couldn't find. <laughs> yep. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> like the attic, for example, it's like above a, a hostel, right? Yeah. So which police officer is going to go all, it's like almost like three floors up yeah. Which police officer is gonna walk up there? Yeah. So actually, if you drink that, I mean, before full MCO like CMC or whatever, mm. if you drink that, you mm. didn't have to be worried about police checking. Yeah. So unless there's a police listening to this podcast now. <laughs> oh man, I, I I mean I'm sure that they didn't do any. I'm sure that uh, the ethic was very responsible in the way they connected themselves. Um, but yeah, I, I so I feel like Merchants Lane was one of the big pushing factors for for cafes la. and then like mm. you said like there was suddenly there were cafes opening up all over right yeah it's crazy and so you were riding that 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 yeah. wave la. yeah right. and it was even before merchants lane mm. so where red bin bag mm. uh, in publica at the time like publica was like the in thing so so ngam, my friend red bin bag they were also open there from there like just mushroom on like artisan also from ttdi right then uh, like what uh, butter and beans, uh, pot gin, the banker. Mm. Yeah, they kind of like start mushroom la, all over. And then, yeah, I think Kenneth was working at butter and beans, if I'm not um, mistaken. I'm not sure he, he did in butter and beans, but he did work at my friend's cafe also before, Standing Theory. Oh, okay, mm. okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. So, okay, um, you, you, you do this. So, how do you start this uh, coffee training, this barista training? What um, does it, where did you go and what did it entail? So back then there was not much of uh, information available. Okay. And there was also the kind of like the beginning of Instagram and 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 Facebook. So a lot of things are not very very super accessible yet. Hmm. Um a lot of things still goes through like some institute or school. Um so happened at the time there was this barista school called Barista Guild Asia. Hmm. Um they were doing a European syllabus which is recognized in the specialty coffee community. Mm. Um, so yeah, I happened to be there. I did a class mm -hmm. with them. 
um from then on was just working and then yeah pretty much just self interest and then just keep digging information and then internet started to you know grow and then a lot of other coffee prof- professionals from other world they they kind of like do a youtube channel mm. they they post stuff on youtube and then start watching and then we just keep trying uh. mm. and yeah that's i think like somewhere 2014 2015 that's where instagram really took off yeah i and mean there's that all that like latte art that yeah. really kind is it overrated in your your opinion Uh, I mean, I w- you do it as well, right? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's overrated, lah. I mean, it's just more of like a, it's the final touch or like the finesse of a, a a product. It's like you eat also. There's some kind of plating and all. It's more of like the final touches to yeah. see how much you care about the product kind of thing. But I feel like it came to a point where people were drinking the coffee for the art rather than what was the coffee, lah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess that's human nature to a certain extent. Yeah, la. that's true. Sometimes we eat food, so it could be like. Uh, nothing great about the food, but it might be plated in a particular way. Yeah, especially if it's like Instagrammable. Correct. That's <laughs> the word. Photo first. <laughs> do you yeah, ever get Do you ever get annoyed though when people do that? Uh, I mean, because you created it, right? You want people to appreciate it. Yeah. But then sometimes people just do it for the sake of the photo. Yeah. Uh, like um, one good one is um, you know, omakase. Mm-hmm. So like it's like a bit of like an art, right? Yeah. You know, and these guys train for like years and years. To do what they do, yeah. but then people, you know, sometimes don't understand what it is. Yeah. Uh, e- even for me, so I, 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 again, I so don't completely understand what it is, lah. So, mm. but I don't go there and like dunk it in wasabi and take a photo, ah. Yeah. But some people they just do it for the hype, mm. and so you kind of the art gets lost in the whole thing, ah. Yeah. Um, it's true, but there's two ways to look at it. Always, mm. um, you need people like that also, because they kind of like create a trend or a hype for you mm. and that's where people know you right. and of course among the 100 people that know you probably 30 40% who are people how say knowledgeable about what they're having and those are the people that you want to keep right. so i think it's still important uh, regardless whether the people <coughs> appreciate or don't know what we're doing yeah and because also you need the money to sustain yourself yeah, exactly <laughs> business <laughs> <laughs> right 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 um so In my mind, I imagine that if you want to become like a world champion in anything, mm. you have to wake up. I imagine like for you, if it's coffee, you're waking up at like four in the morning every day, dunking your face in cold water, then shoving uh, coffee beans into your nose, smelling it, then shouting yourself, no, start again, start again, throwing glasses <laughs> under the floor. <laughs> This is not right. <laughs> just throwing coffee. Your room is just like shattered coffee glasses everywhere, coffee mugs everywhere. Your your wall is drenched with uh, stains of coffee. <laughs> is my uh, assessment correct? Uh... Not that extreme, but <laughs> close. <laughs> Damn so, man! <laughs> yeah, a, a lot of people. I mean, they always see the the fun part of it—the fifteen minutes presentation on stage. Yeah, how I present the coffee to the judges and 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 the overall routine. Um, it's it's fun, but a lot of people forget like what happens behind that fifteen minutes. Yeah, and a lot of people think it's easy. You know, like I'm a barista, I make coffee every day. Right. I should be able to do the same on stage. Um, but a lot of people forget the fact that competition has rules and regulation, mm. and there are certain standards that you have to follow. Mm. And <clears throat> that also would say that uh, you cannot bring your bad habits on stage. Meaning, um, I mean, 
sometimes there's barista's bad habit lah. Like you temp, you don't temp properly, but it works, you know. Right. And and nobody's to evaluate you in the shop like, oh, it's a little bit slanted. Oh, temp means the when you, when you, you, press, you the, press it, right? Yeah. With the, the big, uh, uh, it looks like a, like a, what do you call it? Uh? Sometimes people seal, right? They, yeah, they the seal something. Stem, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's a temper. And right. yeah, I mean, there are bad habits. Uh, like some people don't wipe their steam one properly. Mm. Um, and then workstation is, is, is not organized. Mm. So this kind of thing, you cannot bring it on stage. Mm. People always forget this. They're always like, oh, I make coffee, you know, I can do the same. And and it's not. It's, it's because we put in a lot of time before we go on stage to design a whole routine and we create a certain workflow that will be replicatable on stage. But is it just you or is it a team? Um, it is a team. You need you need a good roster. You need a trainer. And wow. you need a fair bit of people who you can trust to taste your coffee. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. So you have a person who tastes the coffee before it goes out? Um, okay, so how, how a coffee competition works is... Mm. Um, so coffee competitions has three categories. Mm. So there's the barista, there's mm. the latte art, and also brewer's cup. Okay. So put it this way, Brewers Cup and Latte Art are equally big, um, but they are kind of like a, a, a like a marathon, mm. a full marathon, forty-two kilometers. That's okay. It. Um, but barista competition is like a you call it a triathlon. Oh, or like a, it's even more intense. Yeah, it's even even more intense. So you cannot just know how to run. You need to know how to swim. Right. You need to know how to cycle. Okay. Um, that. Includes because we need to know how to taste coffee. That's one. Mm. We also need to know how to make latte art. Simple one at least, but it has to be really good. Okay. And then we need to know beverage knowledge. So like how you create a concoction. So that being said, we have to serve three different beverages in competition. Um, we have to serve four espressos, four milk beverages, and four signature beverages. Right. Under 15 minutes. And that includes presentation while you're making coffee. All th- three of you or... No, oh, that is just the the, one the, num- the first category the, the, the barista, barista championship yeah oh shit so one person you gotta do four espressos four milk beverages and four signature beverages damn yeah and yeah it's 15 minutes with presentation and a lot of people are like oh yeah 15 minutes seems easy a lot of time you know it's true it's a lot of time but when you have to deliver a lot of information to the judges like why you bring the coffee here today and how does the coffee taste and why the producers has done this and mm. it affects the coffee and why is it so significant they have to present it on stage Right. So it's kind of like a sales presentation. Uh. Wow. Yeah. That's some like master chef, really legit some master chef kind of. Yeah. They, and do they give feedback immediately or? Uh, no, they don't. Okay. So okay, okay. They, they kind of like make it like a, a very cafe operation kind of thing. Okay. So you have your workstation, the judges table. So there's four sensory judges. Uh-huh. Um, so they are the customers. Right. And your focus has to be them. But surrounding you, there's another two more technical judges. Which will observe your workflow, ah, okay, okay, your okay. station hygiene, how you how you hold the cups, do you touch the rim, uh, do you wipe your station clean, your steam one is it wiped properly? So do so you, it's <clears throat> that this barista category, you are managing a team that does all of it, ah? No, you you are you're solo alone. alone. Yeah. Oh. Mm. But what I meant team is that you need someone to really know how to roast the coffee, right. to bring the best out of the coffee. Okay. And you need a trainer to help you design a routine together. Oh, it's like you're like a boxer like that. Lah. Then you yeah. have your 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 your, 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 your all right. Yeah. Damn man, that sounds interesting. And I also imagine even though you have you have enough time, but the stress, that's another thing, right? Yeah. Because these are like people who are I would say that 
if for them to judge, they must have some level of knowledge. Uh. Yep. He's not someone you can like tipu, right? You Correct. can just like... Yeah. So national competition because the national champion gets to represent the country to world. Right. So what happens during national is that they will get uh, some of the world judges who is under uh, World Coffee events. Uh-huh. They will actually send a few representatives to oversee our national competition here. Okay. So what they do is they will actually oversee the judges and they will make sure they are well calibrated. Wow. So you won national? Yep. Then you went to world? Yes, and I then went you won, to world. Won. Uh, world, no, I finished at 25, at oh, 25th that's position. That's still great, man. Yeah, out of 56. That's great. That's yeah. great. Damn. So, yeah. Wow. That's interesting, though. Mm. And did, how, how did you feel? Okay, wait, wait, wait. So, like, like you were saying before this, like people just see the the 10 minutes or the... No, they, they see the final product. Yeah. But they don't see the no. years that you've put in. Yeah. Correct. To get where you're at, right? Yeah. It's just like you watch a movie, like you watch uh, even Avengers, even though it's just like two hours, but it's like thousands of people are working on it and it's like, you know, a long time to get it together, right? Correct. But we only see the end product. Or even a YouTube video. It could be yeah. 10 minutes, yep. but it could have been like two, three, four, five days taken to like conceptualize, Correct. shoot, yeah. edit and put it up, right? It could yep. even be longer. I don't know. Yeah. So like, even for you, People see the product, it's like coffee with the art, you mm. know, like, right. But yeah. actually, they don't see like all the effort that you put in behind the Correct. scenes. Uh. Then on top of that, on the day itself, the stress that you're going through. Yeah. Damn, I can't imagine. How did you feel on the day? Uh, I mean, every year I have different kind of stress. Okay. Um, so I've been competing in nationals five times. Okay. So five years. Um, the first two years, I didn't pass prelim. Right. So I really no idea what I was doing. Okay. Like I said, I knew I was making coffee and I wanted to be in the competition. I want to be number one and just went in, you know, I make coffee and how <laughs> how how bad it is, you know. <laughs> and you know, it's really bad. Like, I didn't even make it anywhere. And then my third year, that's where my ex-boss, uh, she was one of the judges also. Mm. So she kind of gave me some pointers and she kind of like guided me through and then she tasted my coffee. She kind of scored it and then she gave some guidelines, huh? Mm. And I managed to be in the finals. Mm. Uh, that was in 2017. Mm. And I came in fourth in the whole Malaysia. Mm. So that was good. Um, then 2018, I, I went full on. I, I wanted to be number one so much. So I went to the farm that I've been always getting coffee from. Uh, I kind of worked together with the farmers there. To both harvests, I was there trying to develop my own processing to, wow. to make the coffee taste better and um, but I always go in with a motive. When I compete, I want to make sure that the coffees are all farm direct and it will benefit the farm and also the consumer. So I went all out, uh, 2018 to the farm and then like, yeah, a lot of work. Is there a, a regulation in terms of the type of beans you can use? Um, no. So you could like even import? Yeah. So the coffees. It's like your F1 car, you know. So you can right. have Ferrari, you can have Mercedes, you can have like, uh, I don't know, whatever brand. Oh. Um, and then, so in coffee, there are certain varietals that are known to be like the superior varieties. Uh, and Let me guess, Nescafe? I know. <laughs> <laughs> Nescafe Gold? I know. <laughs> I made myself laugh. Uh, Okay, sorry, continue. Yeah. Superior. No, so yeah, they are like some superior varietals. They are known as geishas. Geishas? So, yeah, I mean that species is called geisha varietal. What an so, interesting name. Yeah. So from, from that varietal itself, you are promised to have very 
intense flavor coffee because right. they are like the superior species. They they are known to have higher uh, flavor complexity and and it reflects the score sheet. Hmm. Um, and they cost a lot. Okay. Um, they can go as cheap as one gram to one ringgit or to a dollar. Mm. Um, the highest that they bid for for that specific varietal, I think that was in 20, 2017 or 2018, is uh, 800 US dollar per pound. Mm. Per pound, so that's like 400 something grams, I think. No, yeah. I don't know, my maths are horrible. Yeah, I'm same, not going to buy it. 800 US dollar for that. Wow. And that is not even roasted yet. That is the raw green bean. Mm. And imagining after roasted, you know, it's like times two, times three the price. And then, so yeah, one cup will cost you a few hundred or few, almost a thousand for a cup. I don't know. Damn. Yeah. So coffee can go to that extent <clears throat> or like that expensive. It's okay. like wine, like certain vintage, like, oh, this bottle has been kept for like 30 years and then price go up. But then um, it's kind of unfair, can Because that would mean that if you are wealthy enough, you can get like really, really good beans. Correct. And that so, would give you a major advantage. Yeah, over. that would like help you 50% already. Right. So the next 50% is yourself. Mm. So you can have Ferrari, but if you don't know how to drive Ferrari, so mm. it's just a Ferrari. But my question is, can you win if you can drive a Ferrari, but you only have a Mazda? Yeah, you can. Can, uh, can so, we? So this, 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 this is my aim in, oh. in, in every round I compete. So 2019... Uh, I was offered to train by my friend who was the uh, former national champion as well. Mm. Um, and his roaster also was willing to roast for me as well. Mm. Um, so I had like like a dream team, uh, like the champions team now on oh. my side. <laughs> like, damn! <laughs> um, you had like, you had like Hamilton, you had the, you yeah. had the squad. La, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. So, I mean, 2019 was a lot of pressure because the the whole industry knows that the former champion is training me now. Right. And the former champion's roaster is also roasting for me. So that, and I believe they also have expectations. They, mm. they also hope I win because then they can maintain their reputation as well. Yeah, I see. Um, Why so didn't he compete though again? Um, I mean, you can compete every year, but somewhere, somehow he did. So my friends, they, they always take a break. So right. like the one year you compete, the following year they don't compete. Uh. But he and another friend, so there's three of us. Uh, they, the both of them has win, I think, like three times each in total. Oh. So I've only won one time. Oh. And, and this, these two guys have been like, this year I compete, next year the other guy compete. Oh. And then so it's like... They, they tap out. Yeah, they pass the baton to each other. Like, <laughs> like ah, your turn. Then, oh, my turn. <laughs> um, and yeah, so happened in 2019, both of them didn't want to compete. Mm-hmm. And, and, and one of them, which I'm very close to, one, wanted to train me and... Yeah, because I've been competing with him and he's seen me struggle. So he's like, yeah, let's do this and, and do it proper. Um, and I made it very clear to him and the roaster that I, I didn't want to use Ferrari. Mm. I want to come in with a more well-packed or like a packaged uh, uh, coffee. Mm. It's an all-rounder and it has to be affordable to consumers and and it's something that I can serve on a normal daily basis. Mm-hmm. And they kind of, I mean, they're crazy Sorry, enough. Just continue talking. I'm just going to move your mic closer to you, but just continue. Okay. Um, and and they happen to be crazy enough to kind of like do it, you know. And they're like, oh, let's just do it. La. I'm like, they're they okay with it. Then I do, la, you know. Because mm-hmm. I, I want to go in like that. If it's not like that, I, I don't want. Because it's my own personal beliefs. Right. And I want to make sure what I present on stage is beneficial to other people as well right. and to inspire other competitors as well um, 
So that year, they gave me, I think like three options from three different farms, but they're all farm direct. Okay. Um, I chose from the favorite region, was from Colombia. Um, we served two different coffees and they're like, I wouldn't say dirt cheap, but they're like cheap. You can drink okay, wait, on wait, a normal wait, daily wait. basis. Wait, wait, wait. So wait, the coffee beans are grown in... Colombia. Colombia. Yeah. But then how are you involved in the beans process? The um, okay, so there are many ways to look at direct trade. So mm. the last time one was Indonesia. Mm. And I fly in and out Indonesia to process my own coffee. Um, but in 2019 for the Colombia, it was based on trust. Mm. They have been buying coffee from this producer for like, I think about five to six years already. Okay. And we have constant communication because the year before I competed, I was really working closely with that roster for a while. Mm. So we have initiated like a trust with the farmer that we want coffees like that and this manner. But it was for operational purposes. Mm. And from that trust and like that relationship, farmers also have like their own exclusive product, lah, put it this way. Right. And, and normally they would offer to people who are, they have been working with closely. So okay. at the time, my roaster has been working with them for a while. I said five years, I think, if I'm mistaken. So they happen to have this new varietal mm. that's a bourbon chiroso. The cherries are pink in color instead of red. Mm. So they were significantly different. And in 2018, they actually did uh, have one harvest, but it wasn't very good. I mean, it was 2017. They harvested and then in 2018, we tasted. It wasn't that good. Mm. So we feedback to them and then they kind of like tweak here and there and change the way they process the coffee. And then 2019, I mean, 2018, we got the new harvest. Mm. It tasted wow, like right. really good. So we were like, okay, this is going to go for competition. Yeah. And it's uh, for black coffee, you're paying eight ringgit only. Wow. And a lot of people are shocked during competition that I use such coffee and being able to place number one. Because normally they go for like the geisha brand. La. Yeah. And so this is not a geisha. Yeah, this is not a geisha varietal. Oh. So it's a bourbon, it's a bourbon mutated species. Uh. Yeah. Oh. So yeah, it kind of like shook the competition ground a bit because in, in the top six, in, in finals, like during people are drinking the coffee and they gasp. <gasps> yeah, like, wow, it's so good. And then, but then it's like, really, it's that cheap? Like uh. everyday coffee kind of thing? Yeah, because in, in, in the finals, top six, Mm. Uh, five of my other competitors were having like really competition grade coffees mm. like you can smell it from a distance you know like this is good stuff you're going to expect like flavors like passion fruit pineapple it's really funky and very floral you know you can smell it it's like so good you you really want to drink it already oh. and mine is like the only dude that's very mellow very gentle but it hits the score shit wow and what so okay what does Sorry, bourbon, what is it? Bourbon? Bourbon Chiroso. Bourbon Chiroso. What does, what is your um, flavor profile? Um, it was a lot more nectarines, black tea. Oh. Yeah, stone fruits. Hmm. The mouthfeel was very syrupy to silky kind of thing. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I can't imagine though, because I, I don't know. Is it, is it like, is it really different though, the taste or is it like, like how you drink wine and you need to know, like you need to have studied it to really understand um, the differences. I wouldn't say you really need to study it, but it's more of like, you need to be curious about flavors. So it mm. starts from there. Um, even when I train my baristas or even my chefs now, um, you, you, you cannot say a food is just delicious. 
there must be a reasoning why is it delicious. Mm. And a lot of people just eat or drink for the sake of eating and drinking, you know? Mm-hmm. And nobody really like, oh, you know, you, you drink the coffee or you, you taste the wine, you start processing or like, oh, you know, there's this flavor of that, no? And it all starts with your eating habit. So if you eat and you really remember the flavor, mm. it's easier for you to pick up tasting notes. Wow. So what makes a good cup of coffee? Um, first thing, taste balance. So there's three things that we need to meet. Uh, sweetness, acidity, and bitterness. There mm. has to be a harmony between these three elements. Mm. So you cannot be like very bitter and only bitter lasting or you cannot be very acidic. You need acid, but you need sugar or like sweetness to kind of like support that kind of acidity. Uh, wait, I take back my word. I cannot say sugar because it's a wrong analogy, but you need sweetness to support bitterness and acidity in coffee. It's not a... <clears throat> it's n- it- it's sugar and sweetness, not the same thing. Like, it's a different type of... Yeah. Sweetness is natural from its own. Right. I so, so what happens when we talk about sweetness in coffee is how well the roaster developed the sugars in the coffee itself. So there's no additional sugar involved. Yeah. It's because coffee is a fruit. So there are sugar contents in it. So mm. it's how well the roaster preserve the sweetness in the coffee. And then from then, then it's my duty to calibrate the coffee accordingly to achieve the sweetest cup of coffee. Shit, this is so interesting, man. Yeah. Damn. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm, ne- I'm really not a coffee drinker at all. Mm. But I can appreciate like the art of it. La. Just like mm-hmm. I'm not really a wine drinker, but I can appreciate the amount of time and effort that's put into it. La. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's crazy though. Um, is, do you, is there a place where you like to drink coffee or do you only like to drink your own coffee? Do you even drink your own coffee? I, I love my own coffee. <laughs> of course, I have to love my own coffee. <laughs> no, some people, some people, they get like, because if you do it like every day, yeah. you can get sick of it as well, right? Yeah. It's, you know, so sometimes you feel like maybe bread or fresh air. Maybe you don't even drink coffee. You drink something else because you're always surrounded mm. by coffee. Cut. Mm-hmm. So do you still drink coffee? Do you, um, do you only drink your own coffee or is there like a place that you go to or certain places you go to to also drink coffee? Uh, I do drink a lot of coffee still. Mm. And I drink a lot of my own coffee and uh. I drink coffees from my friend's cafe. Mm. Um, I think a lot of people know his cafe, Dodo Bake or mm. One Half. They're very famous for their croissants. And the the two owners is my roaster and my trainer. Right. Um, aside from them, there will be another two cafes, which is uh, TGT and also Cream. Mm. They are by the same owner, which is the Roastings. So mm. they are also a roaster, a roaster and they, they run a cafe themselves. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Right. So then you also opened your own cafe. Yeah. Which is uh, uh, 30 seconds. Yep. Uh, in Bandar Sri Ramansa. Mm-hmm. President of Bandar Sri Ramansa. I feel like you're... you're <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you have uh, brought some vitality to Bandar Sri Ramansa in terms of uh, the sort of uh, indie kind of like feel mm-hmm. to it. Like before mm-hmm. that, Bandar Sri Ramansa where I got that kind of feel, right? Yeah. I feel like you're maybe one of the first... Yep. Uh, but to be fair, BSC is actually expanding. Like I, I drove in the other day and there's a freaking brew house. Yeah, and Uniqlo. Yeah. The first biggest Uniqlo independent store. Dude, in it's a Banda Sri Ramansara. Dude, <laughs> the Uniqlo is huge, man. Yeah. It's like a mini one Utama mm. in. <laughs> for just yeah. for Uniqlo. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a Decathlon. Like it's yeah. really dude, actually BSC is not that big, man. It's crazy that they're building everything yeah. there. But anyway, so you 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 did thirty seconds, which is a, actually a very nice cafe. Thank you. Um, I've gone there before, uh, and it's it's your whole family involved, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, what's that process like? Uh, um, is it 
what was the idea behind it? Did you want to just open a cafe to sell coffee? Did you want to, I don't know, did you want to like open a business and become like, is this the start of your entrepreneurship? You want to become like a, a chain owner? You know, like what was what, the mm. vision behind 30 Seconds? Okay, so 30 Seconds started off at a time where I'm still young, dumb and mm. uh, pretty gung-ho, I would say. So dad wants to retire from what he's doing. Mm. Mom doesn't want to teach and mom loves to cook. Mm. And dad always say that, oh, cooking is nice. Mm. should sell or open a store or even a place to, to sell her food. Mm. And so I was already working for a while at a coffee supplier as a trainer. Um, dad was like, why not start a cafe and cafe hype is booming, you know? Yeah. And young, dumb and stupid, didn't even think anything about business. I'm like, I'm going to have my own place to make coffee. Hell yeah, I'm on it. <laughs> yeah, and I get to do whatever I want, you know. It sounds like a dream. La. Yeah, it sounds like a dream. La. It was fun because I get to make coffee at my own place and stuff. Yeah. And nobody's going to restrict me or whatever I'm going to do, experiment, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said, a young dumb never really think through, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, All of us like that. <clears throat> yeah. A lot of us like that. So, yeah, it started off like that. But along the way, I learned how to manage people, train uh, staffs. What, what, what was the biggest shock that you experienced? Like, what was the biggest thing that, you know, sometimes we go into things with like a rose-tinted glasses, right? But mm. then something happens and then like the glasses just shatter mm. and then you, you realize that, oh shit, this mm. is legit, this is real, right? Yeah. Did you have a moment like that where like your, your, your lenses just broke and then you're like, damn, this is serious shit? Um, not to that extent, but it was just very eye-opening because F&B, you know, stuff changes so often and mm. And like how to manage and keep people. Mm. And that's the hardest thing. And that's the first time where I... Because like Cafe has been around now seven years. Mm. And yeah, keep training new people and training new people and training new people. But it's all for the same purpose. Mm. And just get tired and repetitive. So by the time I hit my fourth, fifth year, Mm. that's where I start to learn like, okay, you know, have to manage people, learn how to guide them properly and like provide them a career path. Mm. And and also that's one of the reasons why I opened 50 Tales. So then my staff can take over what I'm doing there. Mm. Mm. Right, so, right, right. Yeah, I think the biggest challenge was also to kind of like, uh, kind of like create a brand story for it because it was initially just family kind of thing, you know, one mom, dad retire and uh, never really, I mean, to them it's a retirement. For me, it's, Something that we never really think it through. Yeah. Um, and with 50 Tales now, it's a place that we really think like, okay, from the brand story to the product and also to, yeah, overall everything. Yeah. Unlike 30 seconds, it's just like, cafe, <laughs> it is, you know, kind of thing. And also because it's in Banasri Damansara, it's not a location that's very like strategic. Like, mm. KL, dude, whenever I tell people that I stay in Sungai Bulo, they talk like it's like freaking, I don't know, like, like I'll stay in, typing or something you know like the way they talk about it like i was listening to another podcast again that friend podcast uh yamcha sessions and then um they were they all stay towards the chera side lah. so then one of them was complaining yalla bro you know ah, huh, this bloody curve damn far then one time ah, huh, i had a gig in sunway giza they are talking in sunway day i went to the sunway giza they is in curve there so damn far day it's like a different freaking country i'm like 
Giza is so near to yeah, us. It's exactly. not even that far. I'm like, and it's like normal for people for some reason or another, they have this perception Sungai Buloh, Panas Sinamansara is quite far. Especially Sungai Buloh lah. Yeah. It's quite far. So, it's not going to be easy for, uh, or you're not going to have like KL people coming this area that mm. often. Right? Yeah. So, it's not like in uh, the KL area, it's not even in like, or oh, SS2 or even Uptown where there mm-hmm. are a lot of uh, different different shops uh, uh, gathered together so yeah. there's more of a pool right Correct. yours is like a family sort of mm. of cafe lah. Yeah. so I guess that's why the the branding is so important if you want to pull in Correct. more and more new people yeah right um, but I ended up cafe now is a very neighborhood thing yeah um, whereas 50 Tales is the one that's attracting outsiders and yeah and yeah yeah so uh, 50 Tales is your noodle shop yep Okay, so this comes a bit like left field. Yeah. Right? So how from barista are you now doing noodles? And mm. I have to say, I read the Asia Tatler uh, review. Dude, the way they describe your noodles, I was like, damn, man, I need to go and try these noodles. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Whoever wrote that was brilliant, man. He, that person wrote it really, really well. Yep. Yeah, so like how did you pivot to noodles? Uh, okay, so... Like I mentioned earlier, I always wanted to cook. I always wanted to be a chef. Mm. Uh, but there's this question I always ask myself, if I ever be a chef, uh, what am I going to cook? Um, am I going to make French, Western, or like European cuisine? Or am I going to do like Japanese and all? And funny thing is, nobody ever think like we should specialize in local cuisine. Mm. Um Suddenly, I just think, you know, like, if I have my friends from overseas who are baristas and they come to Malaysia, what am I going to bring them to Makan? Mm. And it's always that few that I would always bring. And then end up also is like cafes, you know, because of coffee and stuff. Mm. Um, it's always going to be nasi lemak, yeah. satay, pakute, mama. And it must, sorry, just, just to, to interrupt. It must be so weird to, or, or I don't know, I cannot imagine you, you take a group of baristas to a coffee place and drink coffee together. Do you all like drink and then immediately analyze the coffee you all are drinking? Uh, <laughs> some of us do, but um, mostly I mean because like we want to uh, gain more knowledge and we want to experience different cultures and mm. and uh, different baristas method because like it's a thing like even I travel also to, to Japan or US, I will go and find cafes and we will find like famous and good cafes to go to mm. and and, and kind of like to drink coffee like oh we've tried this place uh, also one thing Instagrammable yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> um, that's why you're so forgiving <laughs> la. you have done it as well <laughs> what, 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 what is there what is the best coffee place that you've tried outside of Malaysia um, I really like this cafe in in, in, in Tokyo oh. uh, it's called About Life Coffee Brewer um the size of the cafe is not even a cafe. Right. It's not even a kiosk. <laughs> I would say it's something like a stand. Wow. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the coffee bar itself can only feed two stuffs. Wow. And no sitting space. Mm. It's an outdoor. Wow. So, yeah. So, tapau or what? Yeah, mainly tapau. Oh. They have a place where you can drink the coffee there and then. Wow. Oh. But it's like a four people standing space. Oh. Yeah, no chairs. So what was so good about that? That um, I would say it's the dedication to the goods. Mm. Mm. Uh, I mean, as a takeaway and like a small coffee stand, they, they don't have to be serving the best coffee. They don't have to be like, so how to say particular with mm. how they, they, they make the coffee and 
the roster that they choose from. And they were full force. They were having the best equipment there. Mm. They were having like different, different methods for different, different coffees. Wow. And they were very detailed into it. And that's the best part. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Okay, yeah. So, sorry. Coming back to uh, why you chose Mundo. So, you bring your, your barista friends over. You're taking them to Naslama, Bakute, yeah. the same standard places, right? Okay, then. Yep. Um, so, it's always this thing. I always struggle where to bring people, you know. Mm. And, but I never really think of cooking at that time. Mm. Um, so, then after I got my national title and I competed in World Finish, blah, blah, blah. Came back. I did a lot of roadshows, did a lot of workshops, interviews and all. There's just this sudden loss of direction. Mm. Um, not to say I don't want to do coffee anymore. A lot of people still ask me, hey, so you cook now, you don't do coffee? Lah. No, I, I still do coffee. I still love coffee and it's it's in my blood. You know, It's like mm. a thing that I cannot not do. But it's just that I don't know where to progress. Mm. Um, so then somewhere, somehow in 2019, I was already making some noodles at home, mm. uh, like handmade noodles, uh, and then I had this just wildest idea and told my dad, like, why don't we open a new place mm. and sell noodles? Mm. And noodles based on my childhood memory. Mm. Yeah. So most of the items, the flavors, I wouldn't say that the style or the what, but the flavors are all based on my childhood memories. Things that I like and things that I would put into noodles. Like what? Um, the first one, I named it OG style. Oh. And, and it's really OG. Like, it's something that I had it when I was younger and a lot of people don't do it now. Mm. They don't use garlic oil or shallots or they use pork lard. Right, right. So it's pure lard. Right. Soy sauce and really good springy noodles. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's my childhood. Right. And and it's very funny because I'm not that old. Mm. But when I put this on the menu, I realize a lot of young people, mm. even people slightly older than me, they, they don't seem to know or tasted this before. Mm. But apparently it's, it's supposed to be a norm. And lard, it's not as expensive as now. It used to be like every Chinese household, you would have like a jar of lard. Mm. And until things turn south where lard is not healthy and then people change to having like garlic oil and shallots yeah. oil at home. Yeah, people forget mm. that. Actually, even my grandmother, she used to use lard as an oil mm. and, you know, to cook and to give more flavor to whatever they are cooking. Or. Yeah. Yeah, but like you say, like now people say it's unhealthy. So yeah. now everything is like virgin or coconut oil in fact yeah. and all this. Uh, exactly. Oh. So I want to bring back the OG, like mm. that kind of thing. So, yeah, and that's why 50 Tales. And I want to share stories through food with people. What kind of stories? Your, like your own? My childhood memories about how local Malaysian Chinese food should be. Right. Yeah. Because nowadays, I would say, I think also the, the influence is Instagram. Mm. Like, we want to go and Instagram brunch. We want to Instagram the best omakase. We want to Instagram the best steak restaurants or like, the, the in restaurants mm. um, but they're all not local food yeah. and a lot of people's understanding about local food is that oh it has to be cheap like in the hawker you know but why don't we think the reverse why don't we have a refined version of it or like a better version of it mm. and we keep certain traditions to it yeah um, I always say this analogy like you go to US they are very proud of their burgers and hot dogs and pizzas right but they are never proud of like eating sushi or ramen every day yeah, yeah, yeah. Unlike here, like, it's very hard to name good local restaurants. Yeah, yeah. I understand. Like, it's like it's almost like the two extremes. It's either we do like uncle, auntie at the side of the road kind of shop or then we will do something like really generic like uh, Zanmai or something like that. Mm. That doesn't seem to be something sort of in between. Yeah. 
And it's funny lah because like those uncle auntie shops, the old ones, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's great lah that that we still recognize those shops. But the reason why it's like that is also because when they started, that's all they could do. They couldn't afford yeah. like a restaurant. They had Correct. to start there, and then that became their their style, and they just continued on. Yeah. But, but we now this generation can afford better facilities, can yeah. afford a particular style. Yeah. It doesn't mean the food is less. Authentic. Correct. I think that's what you're trying to say, right? Like, people seem to equate authenticity with, like, it must be, like, really, uh, like, everything must look like it's going to break down, look like, you know, like, very, like, cheap. Yeah. Correct. But actually, you could have something very stylish and nice, but could be very authentic. Correct. Because, like, Zanmai and all, it's nice, but it's not, like, authentic, authentic. Yeah. Right? Oh, that's Correct. interesting, man. That's interesting. Yeah. Nice. So, all the noodles are done by yourself. Yep. Wow. So, everything in the restaurant is made in-house. Oh. Nothing is really made. Oh. Uh, aside from some of the soy sauce and some of the things that, like salt and sugar, of course, have to <laughs> be bought. But to make our own egg noodles, right. and then from the way we create sauces for our meat, mm. and our noodles are all in-house. Wow. Mm. Uh, do you serve coffee there as well? Um, cafe is just two doors away. So oh. we, we get people to like take away and come here. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. So uh, are you only involved with uh, 50 tiers or are you still involved with 30 seconds? Um, both actually. So 30 seconds normally like, I mean, without MCO during peak hours, I'm there to make coffee and then every morning I'm there to make sure the coffee is tasting correctly. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So MCO, this is mm. a big deal. Yeah. I mean, 50 Tales opened up last year. June. June, mm. right? That was uh, just after the first MCO. Yeah. Just about. Yeah. There was a CMCO to RMCO kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's a really bad time to open up a place. Mm-hmm. Uh, how how have you been dealing with that? What are the what are the challenges like? How are you coping? Uh, how are you managing with this, this thing? I know it's not easy, man. Yeah. First MCO, I think it was new to everybody. So it's kind of fun. Everybody making Dalgona coffee la, <laughs> uh, Instagramming the queue at the supermarket la, mm. and then you know like work from home kind of thing. The the first MCO was fun. Okay. Let's put it this way and cases were lower. Yeah. And after that uh, I would say during the first I mean the, the following CMCO so that was like last year November mm-hmm. uh, that took a hit because Everybody is scared that we go into another MCO mm. and nobody wants to go into another MCO because, I mean, it's fun and not so fun at the same time. Yeah. And you can see just business just dropping. Mm. And I always joke about this because back in college and high school, I always say, I don't know what is stress. Mm. And now I'm finding... Yeah, la, do you want to become prefect? Of course, la, you won't know what's <laughs> stress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, and now finally I can say I understand what is stress. Mm. Um, also... What, what, what were you stressed about? What was on your... What, what weighed on your, your shoulders? First thing is to keep the business afloat. 100%. And, okay, and, and number two, we didn't want to cut anybody's salary. Yeah. And we want to try to retain everybody's... I mean the whole team as possible mm. um, so we managed to kind of like pull through until like last year November December right. then then January on we were still okay until the second MCO mm. so the second MCO really hit all of us very hard because we were already running on some kind of reserve I see and and that's where first time I don't get to pay myself at all shit and 
yeah, business is just bad. Lah. Mm. Yeah, my dad only pay me to cover essentials like my phone bills, right. insurance and stuff. And then, but okay, lah, I have my own shop. So I eat at a shop <laughs> and I do everything at a shop. I just don't go anywhere. <laughs> lah. <laughs> um, right. But yeah, it's more of like to stay afloat and, and also to keep the whole team there. Lah. How many how many staff do you have? Um, Now in the cafe, I have four. Oh. And then in the noodle shop, I have four as well. That's tough, man. That's mm. eight people relying on yeah. your family for for financial support, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, because especially if you get fired now, it's hard to get a job, especially in yeah. FNB. So it's really, I can't imagine. That's the thing now when you, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, sometimes make it sound easy to own your business, but actually it can be quite challenging. These are the difficulties. Yeah. Because when there's not enough cash, your as owner, your your reserve goes down the first because you still need stuff to do stuff right, in the yep, end of the day. Correct. And, and if they are if they are gone, then even more you 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 can't move forward, lah. Yeah, correct. But uh, props to you as well for not cutting uh their salaries. I mean, up to, to yeah to until the second MCO, we had no choice. Yeah, but to be yeah. fair, a lot of people even the first month after the 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 first MCO already started cutting mm. salaries. I mean, law firms cut salaries by fifty percent, yeah, you know, sixty percent. Uh, so props to you for holding out la, for mm. that long. Damn. Yeah. So how are you, is there any plans to sort of pivot, to sort of uh, maneuver through this MCO? Are you just going to wait it out? Mm. What What are you going to do moving forward? Any plans at all? The plan now is just keep being active on social media. Mm. That's the only way I can be present and, and people buy things from me. So you're still doing deliveries lah? Yeah. Um, so how, how do people how can people order your food through Food Panda or? Um, we are with Bipit and Asia okay um, and now finally we give in to Grab right uh, you didn't want to do Grab before this because they charge a really huge amount right um, but now I think they acknowledge the problem also. so they, okay. they, they brought it down uh, I would say it's acceptable not <laughs> the best rate but acceptable so and they provide a very good service so can't complain much. Can people willing, like just call you directly in order? They can. They can. They can do so too. Um, mm. Or they can even message us on Instagram. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, technically now we're just going to do deliveries and takeaways. And How far do your deliveries go? Um, BP, we set it to 20 kilometer radius. Okay. So it covers, I would say, pretty far. Right. Um, actually, a few orders from from this area. In okay, BRP, I'm going to start ordering, man. 100%. Yeah. I'm going to start. I didn't know you were doing deliveries. I'm going to yeah. start. So... Yeah, it was pretty much just that. La. But at the same time, I I always try to be optimistic and positive about MCO. Mm. I get to spend time to to kind of curate stuff and to explore and learn. Mm. And so happened, I actually just came from a small R&D session with my friend. Okay. Um, he's a chef and he's also kind of like, I wouldn't say jobless. La. He, he just wanted to opt for something different, but he still wanted to be a chef. Mm. And he offered his help <clears throat> to help me do R&D and to create stuff and I learned a lot of things from him. Oh. So, yeah. And MCO is the best time to do all this because... So, you're going to experiment with uh, 50 tails or 30 seconds? 50 tails. Right. So, we're going to do more experiment. We're going to create more sauces, yeah. uh, different flavorings, uh, different type of ferments wow. uh, to, to implement into food. You really, you should have done uh, uh, what this uh, food science man. <laughs> you want you know, because yeah. the way you have gone about with uh, coffee and now with noodles, it all it feels like almost like a science to you. Yeah, it is actually. Like and you, you seem to like break down everything to the smallest components. Yep. And then you build like different different things, right? Yeah. 
Damn. So we were just talking about making our own garams, our own soy sauce, our own koji, mm. to make our own bean paste and stuff. And yeah. Wow. So yeah. When you a, make things from scratch, does the taste, that, can you really taste the difference? Yes, you can. Mm. Mm. But again, you have to, how to say, make sure your palate is ready for it because it's really very different from what you can get from commercial. Mm. And we have been very spoiled with commercial food. Okay. Uh, because of high flavorings of Aji and you know, yeah. yeah, and all this kind of rubbish that they put into the food and yeah. it's commercial and it's meant to make money from you. So they gotta make you love the food, you know? Yeah. And and I don't blame them for that. But um it's because everybody is too acquired to that kind of flavor. Mm. So when they come to us where everything is very original. Yeah. So then they will yeah. say like, oh like no no salt like that. Yeah. Like, it's like a bit lack of 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 uh, intensity and Correct. stuff and but these are the original flavors. Mm. And I want to stay true to promote local Malaysian cuisine. Right. And focusing on flavors that I enjoy. Right. And they are all going to be made from scratch. Brilliant man. I'm so happy to hear this. Yeah. Uh and I'm so glad that you're in BSD, man. It's good that we have uh, quality <laughs> restaurants in BSD. Thank so you. that means 30 seconds is halal, 50 yep. TLs is non-halal. Non-hal. Right. Mm. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Wow, that's so cool though. So, what other, moving forward, let's say MCO is done away with, um, let's say full force again, you start working with this R&D guy mm-hmm. or whatever, both for 30 seconds and also for 50 tails, what would be your dream? What would be my dream? Uh, to own probably another eight to nine more outlets. Right. Do you think you'll do different, other different things besides noodles um, and coffee? Definitely, it'd be very different. It might be a combination of both. Mm. Um, but every outlet that I want to open has to have something related to our origins. Mm. So moving forward, I actually want to open another restaurant. Um, will be a full sit-in, like table service and stuff. Uh, that will emphasize a lot on Malaysian Chinese cuisine. Mm. So like from your steamed fish to etc. So it's not going to be noodles only. Mm. So it's going to be like a real full dining experience. Right, right, yeah. right. Damn, that's interesting. Um, is there... How do you rate your success? Like for you, what is it to be successful? Is it is it is it is it like people tasting your food and just liking it? Or is it the business just expanding? What what what's the metric that you're using? Okay, so there's few different success I want to achieve. Okay. So of course when I open a restaurant or like a space, I want people to appreciate what I do. Mm. And I would say I will have a sufficient amount of customer to keep me alive and expand. Mm. So that that is success one. And number two is to be recognized by some of the other food awards outside. Mm. That what we're doing to local Malaysian cuisine. Mm. So that is still a long way to go and it's a big dream. A lot of people think I'm crazy, but... No, man. Why um, not? Dream it, bro. Dream yeah. It. So that is the second goal that I want to achieve to consider success. Michelin, bro. Michelin. Yeah. <laughs> and then the one that I target was probably something like 50 best. 50 best in Asia and 50 best in the world. Brilliant. brilliant. So that, that's kind of like the, the more prestige... And like, because every year they will select a new 50 best. Mm. So it's unlike Michelin, Michelin has like a book and there's a lot inside. And um, you have to maintain. Yeah. And and in that book, there's so many other competitors. Yeah. 
50 best is kind of like the short list, only the 50 best. Right. And the moment you're in that list, you are like, man. Yeah. And so the aim is to be there, at least in the Asia level. Mm. Um, so far, Malaysia, we have a few restaurants listed before. Mm. Even some speakeasies bar as well were listed in Asia Best 50 before. Malaysian? Yeah. Like what? Um, so with restaurant, we have Dewakan. They oh. were the first Malaysian fine dining, which does Malaysian flavor fine dining. Oh. It would be like crazy. Like local goods are like cheap <laughs> and then you sell it so expensive and then... Yeah, and true enough, they were the first one to make it into Asia Best 50. They were, I think, yeah. like 40-something the first year. Um, and then this year, sadly, they dropped, but mm. they were still in the top 100. So Have you gone for fine dining? Yes, I, I do. Do you, do you think it's overrated? Um, not really. Yeah. You'll, what about fine dining appeals to you? Um, knowledge about flavor. Mm. So for that, you everything is just the flavor profile la, basically yeah and it has to be delicious la. so oh. so why I include flavor or I put it that way is because it has to be delicious oh. so it's fun to see how chefs combine different flavors on a plate and it's harmony right like it harmonizes and like yeah that's kind of thing that I want to master as well as a chef or like even a barista or a bartender can something not be in harmony but taste good no it must always be in harmony la. yeah so as long as it tastes good, it's in harmony. Yeah. So even if you take two like contrasting flavor profiles, but you put it together, mm. it tastes good because it somehow harmonizes. Yeah. And you know how to balance it. Oh. Mm. Okay, okay, okay. So okay. like, tempoya is a very pungent thing. Oh. Uh, who knew you would take tempoya and cook with fish? Right. Is there a durian flavored coffee? Uh, They are, but that's kind of dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have coffee, coffee and durian, durian. Man. Why would you put them together? No. <laughs> 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 I see, I see. Um, so, yeah, so that's yeah. that's that's one of the things that I want to, I would say, to be successful. Oh. And then in life, I would say to gauge success is to go to any sushi restaurant or conveyor belt restaurant. I just have to see the color, you know, just take whatever I want. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's brilliant though. I understand yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, or even... Dude, those not, sushi places can be expensive, yeah, man. exactly. And another way to gauge that is I don't want to own a car, but I can just grab car anywhere I want to go. Right. I can just change driver and different car every day. Yeah, 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 and, yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, that's kind of like how I want to gauge my success in life. <laughs> yeah. So if ever <laughs> I see you in a sushi place just taking the plates, I know yeah. oh, he's made it, man. He just made it. <laughs> um, do you, what do you think about then like, let's take the most extreme, fast food places. Mm. Your McDonald's, your Texas mm. chicken. Do you, think that those places are bad for people's palate do you yourself eat those kind of food i i eat yeah. i do eat uh bad or not bad i think it's very subjective oh. um but i think the most important thing to learn is how the hell they made it so consistent right and knowing food and 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 produce changes every year yeah don't say every year. Every harvest yeah. is different. Yeah. Chicken also tastes different. Yeah. This chicken nice. That chicken you buy another day is not nice. Yeah. And it's just amazing how they can keep it so consist consistent. Yeah. And also how they kind of like drive the company and motivate their staff that McDonald's is the best, you know, kind of yeah. thing. Because I have experience with Starbucks as well. Mm. And not to say that their coffee is not good. I mean, there are still people who love Starbucks and I don't judge them. It's still coffee. Mm. But it's just amazing how 
they kind of like, I wouldn't say brainwash, but how they kind of create a work culture where the staffs that work there and they come out, they are like, Starbucks is the best and Starbucks is the only coffee that you should drink, you know? Mm. And and to to kind of like instill that into people, it's actually very difficult. Right. And running my own place, like telling them like how important the 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 the, the coffee has to taste, you know, like it has to be in this manner, da, 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 da. It's so difficult, but yet Starbucks is like, boom, overnight, you know? It's like, yeah, Starbucks is the best kind yeah. of thing. Even like, actually McDonald's, people give a bad rap to McDonald's, but my friend used to work in the, one of the factories that uh, produce the meat. And mm-hmm. so they sell different types of meat to McDonald's, to Ramli and all that. Mm-hmm. And he said like, actually McDonald's meat is like 100%, it's like top quality meat. Yeah. Because like, with Ramli, for example, they actually inject like synthetic, like soy, so mm. it's actually not equality because it's a mixture. Yep. But with like McDonald's meat is actually pure meat. meat. You know, yep. real meat. Correct. So it's actually high quality stuff. Yep. So like in in that sense, like you said, la, how they maintain their quality is pretty amazing. La. Correct. Even the people underestimate it, but like you were saying as a owner, right? Having to train someone to do the same thing over and over again is so difficult. Yep. McDonald's has mastered this art. Yeah. You don't need to know much yeah. to start in McDonald's. Yeah. You know, you just need to fill that one spot and it's not complicated. Yeah. You know, it's a very straightforward thing. Yeah. So everyone has a small role in the chain. And as long as everyone does their small role, everything works smoothly. Yeah. And that's pretty amazing. Like, it's actually a feat, right? Yep. That, that's why McDonald's was so famous. They were revolutionary because they created that chain. Correct. their production chain mm-hmm. and that's why their stuff was so fast Yeah, and they could and because the skill required was so low they could charge their employees less mm-hmm. I mean sorry they could pay their employees less mm-hmm. and then they could sell at a lower rate and became cheaper yep. which is brilliant la. Yeah, interesting interesting what do you think about places that are not so like fast food but for example Zanmai mm. um, again those places do you think that they are bad for like people's palate do you think it People should be more adventurous and try different things. Mm, I wouldn't say it's bad, but I think the importance here is people should take pride in local cuisine. Mm. So no harm with having like Japanese food or Korean barbecue or even Western food. It's fine. But the problem is that we always think these kind of cuisine are more superior. Right. So that is the bad thing because when we think they are superior... And whatever people who is trying to do or to to make better local cuisine and to preserve that kind of tradition or that kind of flavor, yeah. people be like, oh, this is less superior. Mm. And why should we pay so much for this kind of thing? And that's why entrepreneurs start making worse or lousier quality because people is not going to pay for a better price for a better quality in traditional food. Mm. So then traditional is just, just going to fade off. Or? Because the demand is less. Huh? Mm. It's interesting, man. Actually, food uh, is really an important thing. Yeah. Not only... First thing is, as human beings, one of our basic instincts or basic drives is to have sex and to eat. Yep. These are two carnal kind of desires. Yeah. Take away someone's rice bowl. La. They will go freaking crazy. Yes. You play... Even if you play with someone's salary, which is actually their food, people go mad. Yeah. Right? You never play with people's rice bowl. Yeah. But even more than that, like as a community, right? food has always been something so like central. Yeah. You know, I look at, especially I see it with Korean culture, you know, yeah. food is such a like, their culture revolves around food. Correct. And they become so close because of food. Like, yep. they all, the way they eat the food, the way they talk about food, 
and it's like a bonding uh yeah. a, a thing like that bonds everyone correct right? so i sometimes feel like in malaysia is tough lah because our cultures are different yeah and so it can be very uh hurtful lah yeah not let's not even talk about malays and non malays even between indian and chinese sometimes because the flavor profiles are so different yep. some people have a, the perception that indian food is like pungent yeah. too strong smelly Mm. Right, and so they have kind of a uh, setback. Ah, uh, they kind of look down on the food, mm. and then Indians also terasa. And mm. Indian food, Indians pull out. They will see Chinese food is too bland, too mm. boring. All right, yeah. only soup, only that kind of kind of thing. Yeah, correct. And it causes a riff, lah. It correct. does cause a riff. Correct. Um, that's why I say. I mean, the importance here is to embrace that number one, and to to really acknowledge that traditional cuisine can go somewhere. Mm. Um, for example, I mean. A lot of food actually have story behind it. Mm. I'll use Americans as an example because they are like the biggest country and they are so messed up and they're the zeitgeist lah. Yeah, yeah. But fried chicken in almost every culture mm. or race or even different countries has some sort of fried chicken. Yeah. But who knew fried chicken was so important to African Americans? Mm. And to the extent if you criticize chicken fried chicken or you like make fun of black people about fried chicken mm. it's a racial problem yeah and why is that is because fried chicken were the first thing that the uh, american african were able to sell mm. and to make money from that out of savory yeah and it's so sacred you know yeah. you you cannot joke about it like oh go <laughs> eat your fried chicken kind of thing you know? yep, like, yep. You, you don't do that and and yeah so food it's it's to that extent if you know the reason behind it or even understanding how it revolves around the culture why is it so important why is it still here until today mm. i think a lot of people will appreciate food a lot better 100% mm. even um like i'm quite fascinated by how you could even have um how do you call it like food superiority mm. so like for example there's a perception that french food is more refined mm. whereas american food is more like basic yeah but even in asian countries like japan and korea when um when japan occupied korea and koreans moved to japan uh japanese people actually treated koreans really really badly like they were mm-hmm. not even considered like humans like yeah. that kind of thing and one big part of it was food so japanese people always say oh korean people's food you I mean you think about Jap- japanese cuisine right then you think about korean cuisine right it's actually very different yep. and then so like japanese people say wow korean people the food is like who they are like you know very like unrefined mm. loud stinks that kind of mm. thing lah correct so it's very interesting how food kind of like just it, it it can play such an important part in our culture yeah yep correct that's crazy man yeah it is and mm. yeah and i think it's just really us i mean the younger generation should really start looking into preserving traditions or like traditional flavors yeah not not to say that it has to be like a traditional method or like that traditional looking thing everything has to progress in time but preserving that flavors and the outlook of it is important you know i'm i'm really shocked you know i i didn't notice until i was like in college because only in college i started meeting some of my chinese friends who had never like eaten banana leaf before oh yeah i'm so shocked man yeah i really can't, I couldn't believe it and then even when we took them to eat banana leaf right They refuse to eat with Henry. I'm really shocked, bro. <laughs> like you push them, <laughs> so like mati mati, they won't eat with Henry, you know. Like yeah. it's just that I don't know, like it's funny, way. Yeah. Like it's like almost they be like afraid or so to try. Eh. Yeah. But even even not eating at all until you're like eighteen, nineteen, twenty. Yeah, it's kind of weird, right? It's like, crazy to me. Yeah. So 
me as a Chinese, a lot of people have culture shock. Oh. I mean, eating with me, oh. especially because I eat any cuisine's food. Right. Uh, name it from Indian to Malay, Indonesian, huh. and whatever. I eat anything. <laughs> um, so a lot of times when I buy certain goods from the market or even like certain places, for example, like tempoya, when I eat with my Malay friends, first thing they're like, "Wait." China, kau makan ke tempoyak? <laughs> like, yeah, makan apa? <laughs> then like, the other day also, I bought curly at Tesco. Uh. The the Indian guy was weighing the things for people. Uh. Say, hey, you China ga? China makan curly me? <laughs> makan lah, why, why cannot? You know, like, yeah. And then when I go eat banana leaf rice, those ane will be very surprised this Chinese guy using hand. Like, oh. <laughs> but, I mean, it's it's nothing wrong, you know, and that's, why that's the beauty of the Malaysian experience that you get to try all these different cultures. Yeah, like for like people in China, maybe okay. If we're quite globalized now, they can find Indian food, but actually no, you know, even in Sabah Sarawak, it's so hard to find Indian food. Correct. So like imagine like if you're in China, for example, you'd actually have to you couldn't get access. You'd have to go to India to get Indian food yeah. or somewhere about lah. But here, right, you have you access to so many yeah. different types of food and authentic. Exactly. Authentic food, right? Yeah. Like the Indian, it's not like American Chinese food. I mean, no um, flag to American Chinese food. But a lot of it is, um, American Chinese food is sort of catered to the American American is correct. It's not really like food Chinese, from, Chinese, yeah. yeah. But here it's quite different. You yeah. Know, because it's immigrant food that came in. So there's still that taste there. Correct. Because there's that authenticity to it. Correct. So we have access to like authentic Indian food, authentic Chinese food, authentic yep. Malay food that goes back how many hundreds of years. Yeah. Damn. And yet, none of us wants to, you know, acknowledge the fact that it's been here all this while and it's something we should be proud of. Mm. Yeah. I feel a lot of, but it's hard, it's hard. Mm. But a lot of problems would, I feel, like, you know, when we were in school, even when we were in school, always our classes, for some reason or another, the people will divide according to race. Yep. It's just how it is. Uh, Malay people hang out with Malay people, yeah. Chinese, Chinese, Indians, Indians. A lot of it is called language or so. Mm. But I wonder sometimes what if in, we had like in recess, right? Just mm. everyone must, they compulsory mix us up according to the races. Everyone just sit down and eat together. Yeah. You know, bond over food. Correct. It might have made a difference, man. Yeah, and even canteen food has to serve different cuisines. Oh man, canteen food is horrible. Uh, yeah, it actually. is. It's just it's a nasi lemak. Fried Hello. nuggets. <laughs> Fried nuggets. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I water. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and I always say that the problem in, in, in a lot of things that happens in school, it's not really primary and high school. It's when you go tertiary education. Mm. And that's where you really learn how to mix around with people. Yeah. Because it's kind of like molding you into work life and, and really the real society. Yeah. But Immediately, once you hit tertiary education, it's very clearly divided. Yeah. Indians and Chinese are always in the, the, the private, private one. You know, like, then Malays will be in the, the public, with the government's uh, university. And you just lost the interaction. Yeah. And once you lost the interaction, I even admit, when I was in tertiary education, I really find it very hard to speak Malay again. Mm. And like, sometimes I mix English into it and then like, ah, oh, man, this mm. is... This is something I'm ashamed of. Like, I should be speaking fluent Malay because I'm, I'm from Kebangsan school, you know? Yeah. And But it's because the lack of practice and the communication and yeah. just... Because gone. we were stuck to our own groups, right? Yeah, you know? exactly. So, yeah, I really think there should be some changes in our education system here. Mm. Yeah. And food is an important yes. part of it. You know, food Correct. and sports. Yeah. These two things are very important. Correct. Food, mm. uh, yeah. Canteen. 
really, they really should vet through all the canteen owners, man. Like, how can you be serving fried nuggets to kids every fucking day? Yeah, man. <laughs> Dude, canteen food was actually really unhealthy. When you look back, right? Yeah. I don't understand, you know, like, we got really good, like, chap fun, even Malay and Chinese kind of chap fun kind of shop, yeah. right? And they sell, like, quite affordable kind of food, yeah. right? I don't understand why we cannot have, like, a like chop fun where you got different type of vegetables yeah. different type of meat offerings this is more right. healthy yeah. not just nasilma and like fried stuff yeah. this is so unhealthy man exactly and especially if it's one of those poorer kind of schools right you yeah. mentioned these kids probably they don't eat at home yeah. then they come to school just to eat exactly. and then you're like you know exactly this kind of food correct and yeah I agree with you lah. school canteen should, should change and, and they should make a canteen owner cooking three different type of cuisines at least mm. I won't say until to the extent like the authentic one, but maybe like basic one, like Malay maybe still nasi lemak, which is important. Mm. And then maybe some roti canai. And then Chinese maybe some, I don't know. Mm. Yeah, chichong fan or something. Some vegetables also yeah. here and there. La, you know, exactly. nice vegetables. Train, yeah. train kids to eat some nice vegetables yeah. also. La. Correct. Hmm, and then kind of like, don't let students have so many options. Mm. but like it's like a prefix like oh today is Chinese oh. cuisine then you have only Chinese food available you know and that's where people start to embrace yeah 100%. the difference the difference uh, in culture oh you have one day just banana leaves for everybody yeah exactly right and then charge like a flat rate la, and oh. you don't have to really force them Dude, to like banana leaf uh, actually uh, is so economical uh. think yeah. about it you're making it in bulk just make four or five vegetables in bulk yeah maybe one meat Rice in bulk. Yeah. Everyone just sit down, pop, 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 pop. So yeah, exactly. it's so cheap, bro. You can sell. Exactly. Ayo. And and a lot of people just yeah, I still don't know why. Hey man, uh, we just hit about one hour thirty minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a good talk with you, man. Yeah, it is. Is so there anything mind. else? One anything else you on your mind you want to talk about? Uh, nothing much. All good. All good. All good. You can always do a round two another time. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so normally we end with either recommendations or thoughts. I think for you, we will do recommendations. Mm. So how about, uh, you already recommended some coffee places, so we don't mm. do coffee. But what is your goal? Uh, what is a one Indian shop you recommend? Mm-hmm. One Chinese shop you recommend? One bus, uh, sorry, bus, but one Malay shop you recommend? And you cannot include yourself in it. Okay, so one Indian restaurant, one Malay restaurant, and Chinese also. Mm. Okay, um, Indian, very simple, very accessible. I always go. I love Kana Curry House. <laughs> they are like <laughs> the most affordable banana leaf rice and like can get anywhere. Right, right, There's right. one in Kapong, there's yep. in, in SS2 and a lot of other places. Yep. So Kana Curry House is my go-to for, mm. for Indian food. Okay. And then um, for Malay food, I like Ana Ikan Patit. Okay. Because uh, I love tempoyak. All right. And I really challenge apparently a lot of Malay also don't eat tempoyak. So yeah, yeah. It's a quiet taste. Lah. Yeah. I would challenge Chinese, Indian and even Malays to go and eat it. Mm. It's it's something that I grew up with because my dad worked outstation mm. uh, in a lot of Malay kampongs and I was exposed to nangka muda with tempoyak mm. and then patin with tempoyak. So, yeah. they are really good. I've had in Tamalo uh, patin with tempoyak. It was, it was mm. good. It was very nice. Yeah. Uh, this place, where is it? Huh? Anai Kampani is somewhere in Kota Dabansara. Oh, I know they have one outlet there. I'm not too sure they have other outlets, hmm. uh, but they have one in 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 Kota Damansara. Okay. And then in Chinese food, man, it's a tough choice. Oh. Um. Okay. I, I would recommend my friend's restaurant. Oh. Uh. They are contemporary Chinese. Okay. So they are also modernized Chinese food. Right. Uh, 
and a lot more refined and they use a lot of local produce. Okay. Um, they are called Lee, L-I, Lee Damansara. They're in Damansara Jaya. DJ, mm. okay, okay, okay. Um, yeah, so these three. Brilliant, man. Thanks so much. Okay, let's plug your stuff. So we have uh, 30 seconds in BSD. Uh, we have 50 tests in BSD. All can do takeaway. Mm-hmm. What are the different type of takeaways again? Uh, you have Asia. Asia and Bipit. Bipit. And then in the future, Grab. So you okay. can check out our social media. To, or you can just, people can just message. Yep, they can message us. This applies to both. La. Yep. Okay, brilliant. Uh, any social media you want to plug for um, your places? 50 Tales and 30 Seconds Malaysia. On Instagram? Yep, Instagram. Facebook? Fa- Facebook yep. Twitter? Unfortunately, not yet. Not yet. You should do TikTok, like, I think. Yeah, that's what everybody tells me now. Though. Because the, like, I mean, the reels. algorithm is new, so it pushes a lot of stuff yeah. out there. But I actually intend to go to TikTok after this. So like for food, mainly. Because mm. coffee, there's too many people doing. So I think I was doing one on food. So like what we do. Yeah, just do mm. like videos of you doing your noodles. Eh? Yeah. Get a nice <laughs> shot. Just like spin some, do some effect. Like, just spin it here and there. <laughs> <laughs> or you know, they do those very short videos where they do like, you just like, um, you know, the chopping, then the bowl, then throw in the bowl and then yeah. you cook and then the end product. Yeah. You know, I think you could do that, man. It yep. looks good. All right, man. Okay. Thank you so much. I'm really proud of what you're doing. Thank you. Uh, I'm really proud to see your progression from primary school up to now. Thank you. Uh, the way you've grown, matured and all the things you're undertaking. I think you're doing great work for BSD. Thank you uh, very much. You should become an ambassador for BSD. <laughs> I think uh, I'm really, really proud of everything you're doing and uh, I think we should go for that drink soon. Yep, definitely. <laughs> also, thank you very much for having me. No yep. worries, man. Uh, all those listening, uh, you know, uh, it's uh, I know it's a weird time because of the MCO. So uh, take care of yourselves. Uh, stay healthy. Stay good. Stay safe. Yep. We are done. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God.